Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This episode may contain content not suitable for some audiences, including crimes against children, mentions of suicide, descriptions of a graphic nature, and adult language at times. Listener discretion is advised. When a person is found dead, determining their identity is one of the first things to do. Depending on the case and the circumstances, the police can use several different methods to find out who the deceased person is. Nowadays, DNA is the most obvious route for identification. But if the person or their family members are not in the database, the method is useless. Then there are things like fingerprints and dental records but just like DNA the person's information needs to be in the register if not they will only be known as John or Jane Doe until they are eventually identified five decades ago the body of an unknown male was found in a shallow grave in Burton Without identification or matching missing person reports, the investigators were set on a long road trying to figure out just who the so-called Fred the Head was. You are listening to True Crime Britain. Join me, Rhiannon, each Wednesday as I tell the solved and unsolved stories of some of the most disturbing, mysterious and heartbreaking crimes committed throughout the United Kingdom. Welcome to this week's episode.
Today's case takes place in Winshill, an area to the east of the town of Burton-upon-Trent, with a population of just over 8,000. Within the borders of the civil Paris are sites of four Grade II listed buildings that are recorded in the National Heritage List for England, meaning that they are very old and, quote, of special interest, warranting every effort to preserve them. One of these protected historic buildings is Burton Flour Mill, located on the Windshill Bank of the River Trent. The River Trent is one of the biggest and longest rivers in the whole of England, but in Windshill, it splits into several shallow tributaries. These channels form small islands in the river that are not easy to access, but, for example, have been used as a location for a fulling mill back in the 14th century. Other than that, if you would like to get to one of these little islands for one reason or another, you really need to know the area and be familiar with the paths. Special PC David Nathan was one of those people who knew how to navigate in the area. Over 50 years ago, on the 27th of March 1971, David was off duty and headed to the River Trent Island for a shooting expedition. The area was just off what is today known as Newton Road, around 150 yards from the recreation ground and within sight of the Burton Flour Mill. David had last visited the scene, a mile-long and half-mile-wide island, about four or five months ago, and hadn't noticed anything out of the ordinary. But this time was different. This time, there was something peeking out of the ground, as David recalled. What I found was like what a dog had unearthed, what looked like an old bag of cement. I went back and got a spade and found the body. What David had initially seen on the ground were bone fragments pieces of a human skull. He immediately reported the find to Burton Police and a digging operation led by Chief Superintendent Raymond Felgate was launched. It soon became clear that they had not found just some bone fragments but a whole body of a man. This person had been buried in a kneeling position, with his hands and ankles tied. He was almost completely naked, wearing only mustard-coloured heel and toe socks, with the remainder a pinkish-beige colour. He was also wearing a nine-carat gold ladies' wedding ring on the right finger which was manufactured in 1967 to 1968 by Henry Scholl Limited. 
It was estimated that the person had been around 24 to 39 years old at the time of his death, a white male, about 5 foot 8 inches, with a thin build and a partial upper denture. According to the authorities, the victim had had extensive dental work done within the last six months before his death. His hands were small and his nails were well kept and short. The investigators were also able to tell that he had short, with a maximum of three inch long, straight brown to black hair. After further examination of the remains, it was concluded that the victim had a very distinguishing feature. A deformed neck condition called torticollis. This condition, also known as Rhineck, causes the head to rotate and tilt at an odd angle. In this case, the man's head would have leaned to the right. It was estimated that the remains had been buried for 9 to 12 months, but it was impossible to tell how this person had died. He didn't have any fractures on his bones that would have been a telling tale of what might have happened to him. The other thing, the most crucial thing, the investigators didn't have a clue about was the victim's identity. In the United Kingdom, a body, and more specifically, a murder victim going unnamed and unclaimed is a rare occurrence. In the current list of unidentified murder victims in the United Kingdom on Wikipedia, there are 18 more well-known cases. Across the whole of the UK, there are a total of 643 bodies still waiting to get their names back. Often, even though the victim themselves did not have any kind of identification with them, the family members would have reported them missing, and the answer to who the victim was is found relatively quickly. But every now and then, no one is looking for the victim. At least, not in the area where they were found. The features of the body discovered on the island of River Trent didn't match any known missing persons and nobody came forward to say that this could be my husband, brother or son. As the mystery deepened and the identity of the victim remained a mystery, the locals eventually came up with their own name for the unknown male based on the bone fragments that turned out to be his skull. Fred the Head When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There were no missing person reports matching Fred's description. But authorities were hopeful that they would be able to identify the remains using other methods. After all, Fred had had extensive dental work done shortly before his death. Perhaps there were records of his visit to the dentist. So after the pathologist finished the full report of Fred's teeth, the police began circulating the dental pattern to every part of the country, hoping a dentist would recognise their work. Meanwhile, the investigators were also checking out the gold ring that was found on Fred's finger. The piece of jewellery was manufactured in 1967-68 to 68 by Henry Shewell Limited, based in Birmingham, and only 5,000 similar rings were made. However, despite all the efforts and help from Interpol, both leads, including dental records and the gold ring, didn't produce any results. It is true that today, dental records are much more detailed and widely available. But back in 1971, dental work could have been carried out in the back room of a pub without any documents left behind. Soon, Days turned into weeks, and then into months, and then into years, without any break in the case. It was like nobody in the whole world had ever known Fred the Head as a living, breathing person. Or if they did know who he was, they had a reason to not come forward. For Michael Posner who wrote a book about Fred in 2008, one thing for sure is that the killer or killers have lived or spent time in Winchell. He said, quote, I'm absolutely convinced that it was either one or two local people. They must have known where to go. It must have been someone who knew exactly how to get there. Back in 1971, there were only two routes to the spot where Fred's remains were found, which was once a site of a flint mill. One path crossed a bridge, but was gated and locked on both sides. So the police don't believe the killer or killers used that walkway. 
The other route was across Burton Bridge, along a rough track and through fields. The burial site itself was in a secluded part of the area, in a spot where you rarely see other people. Whoever took Fred to the island was likely familiar with the location, but it didn't necessarily mean that Fred was from the area himself. As difficult as it's been to find out who Fred was before his untimely death and John Doe's status, it's also been quite impossible to come up with any possible motives for his murder. The police still don't know how he died, and if his limbs had not been found tied together, they wouldn't even know that Fred had died as a result of murder, natural causes, or due to an accident. Somebody could have simply panicked and buried Fred so they wouldn't get into trouble, even though they didn't kill him. But because he was bound it's more likely that somebody purposely ended Fred's life. In 2018, the case was featured on BBC's Crime Watch Roadshow and a new facial reconstruction revealed what Fred might have looked like when he was alive. The episode did produce a new lead when the family of a missing Cardiff man John Henry Jones came forward, claiming that he may be Fred. Unfortunately, despite a suggested initial match through dental records, DNA testing soon proved that Fred was not John. Another intriguing theory of what had happened to Fred the Head included the notorious serial killer Anthony Hardy, known as the Camden Killer. Anthony was born in Winchill in 1951, 20 years before the discovery of Fred's remains. Members of a Facebook group, Who Was Fred the Head, came up with the idea that perhaps Fred could have been the first of Anthony's victims. The serial killer was known to have dressed his victims in Mr. Men's Mr. Happy socks, and Fred was found wearing only socks. Anthony also grew up in the area where Fred was found, so he may have been familiar with the island and the paths to get to the burial site. The only issue is the victim's gender. The Camden killer murdered at least three women, Sally White, Bridget McLennan and Elizabeth Vallad. Could he have made an exception by killing Fred the Head, a man? Anthony Hardy was eventually arrested in 2002 and given a whole life sentence. He died in prison in 2020 from sepsis and COVID-19. Some of the members of the Facebook group dedicated to finding out Fred's identity even disagreed with the police's opinion that Fred the Head indeed 
was a man and not a woman. But the thing is, that even though Fred's remains were badly decomposed, a person's gender can be determined from the bones alone, and the investigators have been able to get a DNA sample which can confirm the findings. Still, it's still a possibility that even though Anthony only killed women in his later life, his first kill could have been completely different. While the idea is definitely interesting, as the Camden killer is no longer here to be interviewed, opportunities to investigate this theory are limited. Even though the police said in 2021 that they would look into it. And that's where we are today. Fifty decades later, Fred the Head's case remains Staffordshire Police's longest unsolved missing person case and one of the oldest in the whole of the UK. 1971 isn't too long ago for someone who may have known Fred to still be alive and have information about what happened to him, or at least who he was. This person isn't just a John Doe or a Fred the Head. He deserves to get his own name back. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and thank you for your kind messages of support, feedback, positive reviews and of course your patience. I really do appreciate it and I love reading what you have to say. For transcripts, photos, credits and resources relating to today's episode, please visit www.truecrimebritain.com. If you'd like to access things like ad-free, early release and bonus episodes, I'd love you to consider supporting the show by joining me on Patreon, where you could get access to all that and even more rewards from just £1 a month. You can join now by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash truecrimebritain or see the episode description. Don't forget, you can also like, follow and or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a future episode. There are some big cases coming up and I wouldn't want you to miss out. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and YouTube for regular case updates. Just search for True Crime Britain. If you're already supporting me on Patreon, you can find next week's episode already there waiting for you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and please stay safe. If you have any information relating to any of the cases featured on this show, you can contact the police on 101 or Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 111. For more information, please visit our website at www.truecrimebritain.com 
where you can find further details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.